begin with, um, especially for your introverts in the room. But what made it even more uncomfortable was that you had to participate in what was called the birthday march. If anybody grew up in a church like this, you know what I'm talking about. The birthday march was that you would walk around. I'm not making this up, y'all. This is a true story. You would walk around the church while they sing happy birthday to you, and then you would march your way up the center aisle, and you would give an offering um, on your birthday. And I remember as a little kid being like, y'all, this is not how this works. I'm supposed to come up, and then y'all are supposed to come up and give me the gifts for my birthday, right? So the story goes that, uh, I, the story, the, it's a real story, I'm not making this up. Um, my parents record, or my grandparents recorded, like, every breathing moment of my life from the time I was born to, like, four and a half, okay? So it's like closets full of a videotape. Well, there's this videotape, real videotape of me doing this, right? I think I might have been three or four. They're singing happy birthday to me, and I'm extroverted, so I'm loving it. I'm walking slow so that they'll sing more, you know. And I, I make my way up the center aisle, and I get to where they have this table, right, and they've got offering plates. Maybe you come from a church background where they would pass offering plates, and they're, they're right there. And uh, all I have was a quarter because uh, I was a big baller back then. And, y'all, this is a true story. They had to keep singing the song over and over and over as I stood up there because I couldn't, my pants were so tight. I couldn't get my hand in my pocket. And no one would help me. I'm just standing up there and everyone's singing, like everyone's looking at each other like, how long are we going to sing this for this kid to keep doing this? And I'm sitting up here with like, it's proved that my pants aren't that tight today because I can get my hand in my pocket. Back then, I couldn't even get my hand in my pocket, so I'm up there squirming and, like, fighting to get this, this quarter out of my pocket for, for an offering. Look, I don't want you to squirm today, okay? Even if you got tight pants on, I don't want you squirming. I don't, I don't want you to feel like you got to have a white-knuckle grip on your wallet today. Look, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about what God says about it um, but this isn't so that you'll give money to the church, right? This isn't so that we can build a building. This isn't so that we can, uh, I, I don't know, whatever's in your mind about, about why. Here's why we want you to give. It's because um, it's a next step in becoming a disciple of Jesus. It's a, it's a faith builder, right? And it's a kingdom grower, and if we're trying to do anything here at Restore Church, is we're trying to build God's kingdom, not a church. Right? No one said amen to that. That was really good. So uh, if you need a Bible, there's going to be a few people. We're going we're gonna to talk about what the Bible says. Okay? This is all going to come from God's word. If you need a Bible, you can put your hand up and someone will bring that to you. Look, we want you to take these home. We want this to be your Bible if you don't have one. Uh, it's our gift to you. Um, you can download the Restore Church app, like I mentioned before, or you can download the YouVersion Bible app, and under live events, you can search uh, Restore Church, and it should come right up. Why is talking about money in the church such a difficult topic? Like, why is it so touchy? Maybe, maybe you've heard stories about preachers or uh, staff members of churches who... Uh, have misused funds, right, who are 
driving Mercedes Benz while the church struggles or have, have huge houses while preaching about helping those in poverty. I think there are a few reasons that we, uh, our generation, if you're older, yes, you can be included in my generation. And if you're younger, I'm including myself in your generation. Um, man, a lot of people, when they look at the church, what do they say about the church? One of the top two reasons that millennials will not come to church is because they only want my money. Another reason that I think money is such a touchy subject in the church is because, y'all, it is one of the only things. It is like one of the only things in this life that you have 100% control of, right, except for taxes because it's like you can't, you can't get around that. But really, like, if you're not making enough, you can go get another job and make more, right? Or, or if you want to pay bills, you can. If you don't want a phone, then you don't have to, right? Like, you get to make the decision with what you want about or what you want to do about money. And so money becomes a touchy subject um, in the church. Maybe you've been abused financially by church maybe you've put your hand on the tv and prayed with a preacher that said if you send in your 50 dollars seed money you will have ten thousand dollars in your bank account next week and then you check like every day in the next week and you still are just fifty dollars less right i mean people have abused this idea of money and what the bible says i just want to try to take down some barriers this morning uh, I want to go ahead and tell you what Restore Church does with your finances. Um, and then we'll talk about what God, what, what God says about it, okay? Uh, we give 10% of what comes in out. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the New Testament, what it talks about giving. The Old Testament talked about tithing, giving a 10%. Here's what God says. God says, I want all of you. Right, and he's not telling you to write 100% of your paycheck back to him. Although, if the spirit's leading you, go for it. Um, but what what we we as a church, we would never do anything we're not willing to ask you to do. Okay, so we everything that comes in, what you guys give, what outside support or outside churches support us, anything that comes in, we give 10% of it back. 5% of it goes to church planting because that's the number one form of reaching lost people in the United States. We want to invest in the future kingdom. The, the next 5% is broken up like this. Uh, two, 3% goes to local missions. Now that goes, to, uh, that goes to different missions. It goes to people when they call and say, hey, I, wanna, I want help with my light bill or I need help with, uh, with rent or whatever. And so 3% of it goes there, and the, the last 2% goes to international missions. It helps with your check-ins. It helps us support missionaries as they come through. And so we really, like, from the very beginning, all of that was decided before Restore Church had a name, before Restore Church had a mission statement. We knew from the very beginning that we wanted to invest in the kingdom because the kingdom of God is the most important thing in this world. When we started the Root series, we, we talked about Jeremiah chapter 29, all of it, not just one verse. And what God says to his people in that chapter is, I know that you're going into this exile. They were taken from their home, right? And they're ripped away from what, uh, from what they've known. And what does God say to them? 
man, don't put your guard up as if you're going into exile. Don't look at this as some kind of imprisonment. But what he says is lay down roots. Invest in where you are. And so that's what we want to talk about. Why are we talking about money? Jesus talked about money more than anything else other than the kingdom of God. Jesus had uh, out 11 out of the 39 parables, you math doctors can figure out the percentage, uh, was about money. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke is about money. Money was important to Jesus, and so it needs to be important to us. And I would say money matters to God. I'm going to do this dance with this up here. You guys ready for this? I'm just like dancing with it all. So here. I'm out of breath if you're wondering. <laughs> Someone said had too much turkey. I think it was long before the amount of turkey I ate, okay? Um, let's, let's see what the Bible talks about when we talk about investing in money and not turkey. 2 Corinthians, open up your Bible to uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, and then this morning, uh, I'm going to go old school preacher on you. I'm going to give you four points about what uh, these two chapters are going to help us uh, see about Christian giving in the church. So, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we'll dive into chapter 9. Um, you can follow along in your Bible, on your phone or tablet, uh, Restore app or Uversion app, or you can follow along on the screen. Everybody ready? Okay. Ready now? All right. Uh, here, let me get ready. <laughs> I was taking a drink of water. All right. Anybody see President Trump take a drink of water a few weeks ago? Okay, go look it up. It's awesome. All right, here we go. Second Corinthians chapter eight. Here we let's let's start. Let's jump in. Uh, so let, let's get everybody on the same page. Paul is writing a letter. Paul, um, who used to be Saul, killed Christians, is now on a missionary journey. Um, he's he's a church planter, and so now he's writing to this church in Corinth. Um, it's 2 Corinthians because it's the second one we have recorded. Uh, some people think it's actually his fourth letter to them. And so he's nearing the end of it. So, chapter 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. So not the, not the Corinthian church that he's writing to, but another church. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy in their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely, check this part out, entirely on their own. They, they weren't guilted or made to feel bad. Entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, uh, made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Paul is traveling with 
with his companions, his partners in the gospel. He's going from church to church to church. And in this missionary journey, what Paul is trying to do is take up a collection or an offering for a church, in, for the church in Jerusalem. And in the midst of this letter in 2 Corinthians, he finds it necessary to tell this Corinthian church that they need to contribute to this offering he's collected. Um, I, I want to make this note, and this isn't what the sermon's about, but we should, we should say it. It gives insight into how Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, sees, what, sees the money that comes into the church. Look, I, I, think, I think there are churches, and I've been a part of them, where they're not really interested in helping the poor. Um, you know, that they look at their budget, and they're like, man, things are tight. And so when people call or when people say, hey, we need help or... Uh, or for whatever reason, they just, they're like, ah, I, don't, I don't know, we just, don't, we just don't have the money. Look, as a church, a part of what you, you do as a minimum requirement is to take care of the poor. The church in Jerusalem is poor. So Paul, as a church planter, he's going to these other churches and saying, look, we need to take care of these poor Christians in Jerusalem. And so, it's like one church, right? Just in different locations. In this section, Paul wants to talk about, uh, he, he, he brings up this church of Macedonia when he talks about giving. Um, I, I, I'm like, why are you bringing up this church? How does he qualify, or how, how does he talk about the church in Macedonia? They're poor. They don't have a lot of money. And so, Paul, if you're going to try to get us to contribute to, uh, to, to this cause, wouldn't you bring up a church that's given a lot of money and say, be like them? But one thing that we should talk about right here is the financial areas that Corinth and Macedonia are in. Both geographically, they're close, but, I mean, in geographic terms, they're close, but financially, they're Socioeconomically, they're different. Corinth is ballin', and Macedonia is a very poor city. And it's noticeable. And so Paul starts to talk, and he says to them, hey, uh, he's not like bringing up wealth and stature, but he's talking about this idea of giving with these two churches, like, in contrast, because of the the heart issue. Why does he use Macedonia when he's talking to Corinth? Look at verse 5. Go to verse 5 one more time. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us also. Uh, I think I might have skipped this slide already, but the first point of us talking about biblical giving is that the church, uh, Paul, Paul says to us, that the church in Macedonia gave first of all themselves to the Lord and then to us. We talked about this a little bit last week. Do you remember what Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says? It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you or unto you if you're a King James Version. And um, right before that, talks about money. 
And he talks about worry that comes along with it. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Giving to God is more than just about the money in your wallet or the money that you put in a box or through our app or online. It's, it's more than just a couple dollars or hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars that you've given. It's more than a tax write-off. It's more than a feel-good thing. It's more than an end-of-the-year-make-budget donation. Man, giving, first of all, financially, but giving in general... It's about giving yourself to the Lord. It's submission to God. There's a, con- there's a story about a village in the Congo where when the offering plates were passed, the people who had nothing would reach their empty hand into the offering plate and then pull it out. And it was a symbolism that I've got nothing to give, but God, I'm going to give myself to you. And once you become a Christian, once you become a follower of Jesus, that's what we say. God, I'm giving my all to you. And that's going to include the little bit of money that I give back into the kingdom. So, and, and for us, the kingdom is what it's all about. Right? We're, this, this phrase is starting to come up a lot in my life, but we're trying to make God famous again. And uh, it, it comes at a cost. Hey, so I just want to tell you, I think I told you about the 10% we give. I just want to tell you about the missions themselves. We give to the Eastern North Carolina Christian Men's Fellowship, and they've got a goal to plant five churches in the next 10 years in Eastern North Carolina. So maybe you have this heart for Eastern North Carolina, like every good Christian should, right? Um, and you want to plant a new church here or help plant a church here. Look, we can get you connected with them. Church planting is the future of the church. Um, they, they are a huge, they are the, the best supporter of our church. And in the next 10 years, so I think we're in year two of that, they've planted two. All right, so we're going to try to plant three more churches in the next 10 years. Uh, we support financially Waypoint Church Partners. They're also a part of our church plant. Um, they plant a lot of churches, more than just in eastern North Carolina. They plant in Baltimore, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, uh, well, Baltimore's in Maryland, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, and North Carolina. Uh, There used to be an organization called Virginia Evangelizing Fellowship and uh, another one in North Carolina. They combined, and we were their first North Carolina plant uh, after they became Waypoint. Told you we give money to international missions this last year. We supported missionaries uh, in, we can't say where they are for safety reasons. Uh, we've put up uh, numerous homeless people in, uh, in hotels. We have, um, we've paid for light bills. We've paid for electric bills. Do you guys remember our very first Sunday? Some of you do, some of you don't. Uh, our very first Sunday, we gave 100% of our offering away because they told us that would be the largest offering you have in the next three years. And so we gave 100% of it away to the Philippians Place, which is a homeless ministry that tries to get the homeless back on their feet and then establish jobs and housing. And I just want to tell you that because if you're like, man, I don't know what they're going to do with, with our money. I don't know uh, how they're going to spend it. There you go. In our, in our uh, backstage service, I said this. When you contribute to the kingdom of God, all right, to the kingdom of God, 
But when you contribute to Restore Church, I promise you, your money is going to lost people that will one day be in heaven and you'll never meet them. But you're investing in the kingdom here. So the first of all, they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, Paul says. And then the second thing I want to tell you is it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have and being responsible with it, uh, I guess I should say, and being a good steward of it. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. Look, look at what Paul says in verse 8. Chapter 8, verse 8. I shouldn't have wore a hoodie on this stage because it's hot. But look at how good this hoodie looks, y'all. I'm not commanding you. I'm, I'm not feeling good, so, but it's good to know that my sense of humor and sense of style is not gone. Verse 8. I'm not commanding you. Did you catch that? Like he's not guilt tripping. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do, to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is accept, uh, acceptable according to the one who has, not according to what one does not have. Man, I, um, there's, this, there's another story that I ran across about a, sto- uh, about a little girl who was crippled, and she had one crutch. She came to church, and she saw everyone putting their offerings in the offering bag or box or whatever. And she had no money. Uh, but she wanted to give to God so much that she left her crutch by the offering box. It's not about what you don't have, but it's about what you do have and giving it all, giving your whole life to the Lord. So a large number of people a few years ago um, scattered all across a uh, socioeconomic grid, so different uh, uh, economic classes. They were polled about giving financially to the church. And over 72%, 72%, that's more than 71, less than 73. <laughs> I'm just making sure you're still there. 72% of people polled, they said this. They checked the box that said, if I just made a little more, I would give to the church. All over, rich, poor, and in the middle. Everyone said, if I just had a little bit more, if I made just a little bit more, I would give to the church. Look, I'm going to challenge you right now. Quite frankly, if you're not giving to the church now, that next raise, you're not going to give to the church then. I should say it this way. If you're not giving to the kingdom now, when you get that next raise, that next pay bump, there's always going to be something, right? Like, I know because this is the way I think. You know, I'll get, we get a little bit of money from here, a little bit of money from here, and it's not like, man, how can I give this back to God? But instead it's like, man, we could pay a little bit off of our, on our credit card, Right? Our vehicle's on its way out, and that new vehicle's coming out. And uh, I heard they'll give, like, a really low, like, 30% rate at the uh, 30% interest right down the road. I mean, there's always something, right? A, a, a bigger house or, 
or pay off this credit card or whatever it is. And so, but, but what Paul tells the Corinthians is that in your giving, it's not according to how much you don't have, but it's being a good steward or responsible with what you do have right now. So, are you being responsible with what you do have? Are you honoring God with the little bit that, that you do have? Leadership Magazine carried a story about four Bible college students. Um, all guys, they were living in the same house, and one Saturday morning, this uh, man knocked on their door. They opened it, and they saw this, uh, this like older, dirty, holes-in-his-clothes-looking man. His eyes were kind of marbleized, and he had this very silver stub of whiskers on his face. I mean, you get the image as you're thinking about it. His clothes were torn. Um, his shoes didn't match. Actually, both shoes on his feet were the same foot. He carried a whisker basket of unappealing vegetables that he was trying to sell. And the boys felt sorry for him. And so right then and there, they bought all the vegetables he had to help him out. The guy went on his way, but from that time on, every Saturday, he would come back to the, the, the boy's house, or the boy's um, apartment, with a basket of vegetables. And as the boys got to know him a little better, they began inviting him, buying more vegetables, buying more vegetables. What are we going to do with all these vegetables? We're college students. We eat pizza, right? But then they started to get to know, know him. And they discovered that the old man's eyes were not marbleized from alcohol or drugs, but from cataracts. They learned that he lived just down the street in an old shack, and so it wasn't such a distant separation. They also found out that he could play harmonica, which is awesome. <laughs> and that, even more than that, he liked to play uh, Christian hymns. And so the, then they learned that he really loved God. So every Saturday, he would come with his basket of vegetables. They would invite him in. They would eat together. And then he would play his harmonica, and they would all sing these Christian hymns together. They eventually became good friends, and the boys began trying to figure out other ways to help him. So they, they created this, uh, this coat drive. They, they got coats and clothes. And then one day, they secretly dropped him off in front of his shack. There was no note attached. There was no uh, strings attached. They weren't trying to get them to understand that. They weren't trying to get him to realize they gave him the clothes. Um, and so the next time that he came over, uh, the following Saturday morning, he, he comes over. And right in the middle of them singing praises and playing the harmonica, he suddenly says to them, y'all, God is so good. And they all agreed. Yes, God is so good. He went on. He, he said, you want to know why he's so good? And they said, why? And they all looked at each other. They knew what was coming next. And he said, because yesterday when I got up and opened my door, there were boxes full of clothes, shoes, uh, coats, and gloves. Yes, God is so good. The boys smiled at each other. They chimed back in. Yes, God is so good. He went on and he said, you know why God is so good? And they answered, you've already told us why. What more? What, what is there? And he said, because I found a family who could use all those things and I gave them all away. Look, it's not about what you don't have. 
It's about being responsible and spiritual with what you do have. It's about giving your whole self to God um, with what you've been given. So the third thing, we'll go quicker uh, here at the end, is number three is trusting that God's going to take care of you. Uh, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you think about making a song out of what I just said, it's an old hymn. So um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 says, remember this, whosoever... Or whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. I hope you hear this from me. We're not trying to pressure you into giving a lot of money. We're not trying to pressure you into giving some money. We're trying to just show you what being a disciple of Jesus looks like and how your investment in the kingdom can change people's lives. Look at verse 9, uh, verse, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the need the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Uh, when we were kids, we didn't have a lot, and um, uh, every now and then we'd have to stay with my grandparents for, for whatever reasons, lights, bills, or we're moving, or we didn't have any water, whatever, and my grandmother would always quote Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, even though at the time we didn't know it was Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and it says this, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches. Check this out. Giving shows surrender to God, but even more than that, it shows trust in God. I'm going to say that two more times. Giving shows surrender to God, but even more than that, it shows trust in God. Giving shows surrender to God, but even more than that, it shows your trust in God. What other avenue in your life can you imagine showing God that you are more open to his provisions, to him providing for you, than giving up finances, to giving money to his kingdom? Imagine this. You, you have everyone over for Thanksgiving. Um, uh, you, did you have a house full? We had a house full. It was awesome. Loved it. It was great. And um, uh, imagine that. You, you're sitting around the table right? Um, then you start thanking God. Thank you, God, for our house that you've given to us. Thank you for providing us with our family. Thank you for the food, uh, this bountiful harvest that we're about to receive, right? <laughs> Thank you for the hands that prepared it. Like, you start thanking God for all of these things uh, around your kitchen table, and you're about to eat, but right before you start, you're like, hey, God, we're about to eat, though, uh, so thanks for all this, but can you go sit in the other room? 
until we're finished, right? And so then we all eat. We have a good time. We're laughing. Maybe you're crying. Uh, you shouldn't be crying while you're eating, but whatever. Uh, like, you're having a good time. You're telling the same stories you tell every year. You're joking on grandma's rolls that are harder than rocks, whatever it is. And then when you're finished, you're like, hey, God, come on back in. Have a seat, dog. There's some turkey. Uh, yeah, there's a devil egg left. Some green bean casserole. Might not want to eat the green bean casserole. There's some, uh, man, how backwards would that be? God provides you everything, and then we give him our leftovers. That's how sometimes I think about giving to God. As I think about what's left, what, what, what's, what's left in the bank account, right? Instead of, what can I give to God first? Man, when we decide, like, we're going to live a life of generosity, when we're going to live a life of investing in the kingdom of God, here's what it means. God, thank you for all this food. We want you to sit at the head of the table. And before we take a bite, before we even think about it, we want you to pick what you want, and we'll eat with what's left over. Look at verses 10 and 11 again. Chapter 9, verse 10, 11. Now he who supplies the seed of the sower and the bread for food will also apply and increase your store and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Look, we're not a health and wealth church. We're not going to tell you if you invest in the kingdom that your bank account's going to blow up. But what we will tell you is we will look at at this and say, who provides the seed to the sower? It's God. Who provides the bread for the food, or the, the bread for eating? It's God. It's time for you and I to act like it and to trust God in every aspect of our life, not just money, and say, God, you are the provider, and I trust you. All right, here's the last part. The last part. You probably have not heard this before uh, at Restore Church. That was sarcasm. Look, it's all about God's glory. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's about giving yourself to God, giving yourself to the kingdom, and trusting God with what you've given. Verse 12 through 15. Here we go. This service that you perform is not only, oh, sorry, verse 13 to 15. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Check it. Let, listen to that again. Because of the service by which you have provided, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of, their because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Listen to verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Your giving is an expression of your faith. And it's an expression of your gratitude from God. Paul puts it real plainly here that your offering is an example of how thankful you are to God. 
This isn't the, to say that uh, you can put a dollar amount on grace. We're not trying to say that because you can't. But with a joyful heart, you give your offering. Uh, verse 13 and 14. Because of their giving, the Christians in Jerusalem will praise God. They will praise God because of what you've invested in the kingdom. But after all, verse 15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift to you, and that is, that's Jesus. This week, uh, you celebrated Thanksgiving, right? You sat around, um, you, you gave thanks for, for, for whatever, you watched just enough football to put you to sleep. Um, my, my challenge for us moving forward this week is twofold. The first is, what are you thankful for? Does it start with the new life that God has given to you? Does it start with the new beginning that at one time God gave to you through Jesus? Because if it is, then it's time to start showing that. Here's the other part. Uh, I wish I would have thought about this before, but I didn't. I'm thinking about it now, so there, there you, you have it. Um, so there's this passage where... In, in Malachi chapter 3, it's probably the most common one preachers talk about giving. And God's, God has his prophet give his message to Israel. Now, sometimes, a lot of times, we can get something from what the prophets are giving to the nations, right? I mean, that's why the prophets are there, for us to read. And so, this is what he says. He said, how, how, uh, he said, how can a man rob God? And then God, God says back, with your tithes and your offerings. Then he says this, bring your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse, right? Give to God, he said, and then the floodgates of heaven will be open. There's two times that word floodgate is, is used in the Old Testament. One is right then when he says, hey, bring your offerings, bring your tithes in the storehouse, and then I'll open the floodgates of heaven on you. I will bless you. You want to know where the first part, the word floodgate, is used? It's back in Genesis chapter 6 in the story of Noah. And when it talks about the rain that falls down, you know what it says? It says the floodgates of heaven open and the water came out. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You cannot outgive God. But here's the challenge. Try it. Try to outgive God and see if he won't give back to you. See if you can outgive him because you can't. But here's what's going to happen is the reward is that people all across the world, here in Jacksonville and in eastern North Carolina and in North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, and D.C., they're going to be singing the glory of God. They're going to be talking about his fame and we will make God famous again. God, we thank you for your incomparable riches in Christ Jesus. We thank you, God, that you're always calling us to be better to disciples, calling us to look more like you. And even in the areas where that challenges us, God, we still give you thanks. 
God, as, as followers and as, as um, people who are, are pursuing you, help us in this area of giving. God, let your kingdom grow, not because of us, but for you. Right, let, let your kingdom, let, let your name be famous in this world. Let it be famous here in Jacksonville. Um, God, we, we want to be such a part of the kingdom. Um, help us. God, let us be faithful with what you've given to us, um, both as individuals and as, as a church. Uh, Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.